Savior today. We appreciate him. Glad to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. And just appreciate God. He's good to us. We'll be in our same lesson series today talking about every tongue and every nation. Last week we talked about the gospel is an all-inclusive gospel. That means it's to everybody. The scripture said, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to every man. It doesn't matter where they live, no matter what color they are, none of that. That's not what it's about. It's for everybody. And it doesn't matter what they've done. It's for everybody. God wants, uh, he said, they that are whole, they don't need a physician, but those that are sick. Paul said, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He knew, uh, even though he was a Jew and a very zealous Jew at that, he knew that uh, in his own state, in his best state, as the scripture said, he was just vanity. He, did, he couldn't save himself. He needed the Lord Jesus. And this world needs Jesus today. And the world will hear about Jesus through the church. The church is the, that mouthpiece today. I'm thankful that God has called us to work and be laborers together with him. And so today we'll continue in this lesson Acts chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn, if you're following along in the, little, the handouts today, uh, Acts 15, verses 8 and 9. At this point, uh, the apostle Peter was uh, talking to a group of Jewish people who had decided that unless uh, these Gentiles would be circumcised the way Moses said for it to be in the law, that they couldn't be saved. Even after God had already given them the Holy Ghost and they'd been baptized in his name, even though they'd been born again, they still uh, had this rooted inside them that they could not quite relinquish the law. And they were trying to figure out what to do about that. So Peter said this in Acts 15, 8, 9. He said, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Same Holy Ghost both groups he put no difference between us and them that's probably tough for some of those hardcore Jewish people to hear (laughs) what Uh, there's still some things deep seated in there that uh, they couldn't quite get over but he said he purified their hearts by faith Galatians 6 and 15 says for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature and we know that only comes through Christ so today we're going to talk about overcoming prejudice because prejudice is often deep seated then we must be very diligent in our efforts to overcome it let's pray for the word today pray for the lesson Lord we love you and thank you God oh that you've called us all no matter who we are where we were, how you found us, but you give us that call out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, let us hear your word. Let it find good ground in our hearts today that we can be better, be better for the kingdom, be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap and a shout this morning. What a great God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God didn't exclude me, but he me. You can be seated this morning. Peter had a tremendous, prior to this, of course, he had a tremendous encounter 
Peter was very zealous to defend the Lord. You know, before Jesus left this earth, Peter was very quick with his mouth, quick with the sword sometimes. People lose their ears if they weren't careful around Peter. Uh, Peter was, he could be rash sometimes and not think through or listen to what was being said. Uh, He didn't really listen to what Jesus said. He heard what uh, he wanted to hear and when Jesus said that, he had to suffer and, and be crucified, and, and he rebuked the Lord. You know, he, he didn't want to hear that, but he didn't realize this, this is necessary. This has got to happen. To that end was Jesus born, and so he was rebuked uh, openly by the Lord there. But uh, we find in Acts chapter 10 where Peter, being a Jew, is now up on the housetop, the rooftop of a friend of his, I suppose, Simon the Tanner, dwelt by the sea. And it's about, uh, it was getting late, getting noontime, and Peter's beginning to get a little hungry, and the Lord shows him a vision. In that vision, there's a all manner of unclean beast, and it's like in a sheet knit together, let down, and Peter, rise, slay, and eat. And, oh, Lord, nah. That's something that when you're so stuck in your routine that you can't even obey the Lord. <laughs> he said, no, Lord. So he keeps doing this, and he said, Lord, nothing unclean has ever touched. Since Moses put this in the law, since I was born, nothing unclean has ever entered these lips. The, the Lord told him, said, Peter, whatever I have cleansed, you don't call it common. You don't, you don't make it unclean. If I've cleaned it, if I've cleansed it, then it's not for you uh, to pass anymore. It doesn't matter what prior knowledge you may have had. Uh, when I cleanse it, it's clean. Peter's trying to figure out what this means. Here comes a knock at the door, and we find people coming to, to fetch him. That's what we say down here. They're going to fetch you. Come to fetch Peter. Come on. We, we, I need you to go with us. The Lord sent us. And, of course, the Lord told him, said, you go with them and don't doubt anything. Just go with them. And so... We know that Peter ends up at Cornelius' house. We'll talk about it again in just a moment. But, um, you, th- you know, Peter realized that God was leading the church into a new territory. Yeah. The Scripture says salvation is to the Jew first, then the Greek. And so uh, even the Lord told the woman at the well, he said, salvation is of the Jews. We know that God had a people, and he was pouring out his spirit first in Jerusalem at a Jewish festival Pentecost and and that he was reaching for those Jewish people did not mean he didn't care he knew the time of Gentiles was coming in and Peter and all these other people could not quite grasp that yet uh, even though there had already been a significant revival in another place God was leading the church in a new territory and now Peter was following to see what that would be but before even this ever happened we find in the scripture with Jesus himself uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. And the thing about this is, of course, you've heard this preached, and maybe you've studied it some and realized that uh, he went through Samaria even though there was a very deep prejudice in Jewish culture against the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a mixed race of people that had intermarried with the Assyrians centuries before, but uh, and they had a separate version of the Hebrew scriptures and a different temple to worship in. And because of this compromise, the Jewish people saw them as being inferior to themselves. Uh, but the 
the uh, Samaritans had a very strong uh, spiritual heritage that was tied to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just like the Jews did. So Jesus finds himself going through Samaria in the heat of the day, and he begins to sit on the well because he's wearied with his travels, and uh, he is fixing to show us the difference between walls and wells. And there is a woman that shows up at the well, and Jesus is about to show us uh, how to uh, uh, break through these walls so we can get people to the well. When she shows up, there are several things that Jesus did. He said, give me to drink. Now, number one, he did that breaking through several uh, cultural prejudices and customs because, number one, any reputable man uh, would not speak openly in public alone with a woman that they did not know. But Jesus engaged her like a close friend. Give me to drink. He spoke to a Samaritan. If that was not enough, Jesus asked her for water. That would have made him ceremonially unclean. And no Jew would risk such an encounter. The woman now, in all of this, becomes shocked maybe a little bit at this because her response is, uh, excuse me, uh, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink because the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? You know, she didn't say the Samaritans have no dealings with the Jews. She said the Jews don't have dealings with the Samaritans, putting it all on the Jewish culture, that prejudice that was there. And the Jews were prejudiced against the Samaritans. They were. And she knew that, and there went the first wall. Now Jesus is going to show us how to get past that first wall. She was very quick to remind him there's a wall, Jesus, here between us. Of course, she doesn't know who he is, but he did not let that barrier keep him from the opportunity that was before him. Too many times we let things that are different stop us from connecting on what is similar. He wanted water. She was coming to draw water. So he said, I'll meet you on common ground. Give me to drink. I know uh, I'm going to break past all these cultural barriers with this one simple request. Give me to drink. I'm going to speak to uh, you uh, here in public. I'm going to speak to a Samaritan. I'm going to, I would actually take water from you so that I could uh, quench this thirst and it would make me ceremonially unclean in the eyes of Jews. I don't care about all that. I'm headed somewhere. Yeah. And so he used a real example uh, of thirst to get a spiritual reality across. He, was, uh, he wanted to make sure uh, by speaking to this physical need that he could open the door to address her, her spiritual needs. She needed living water. And now this is how it is in this world today. There are so many differences. And we are so quick to uh, focus on the differences. Uh, the, the major one and the most obvious one in this world today and at this time and this point in history is where people stand on their politics. People are, are, are died in the wool Republican or they're died in the wool Democrat. And they just will not meet on common ground. They can't do it in the government. They can't reach across the aisle and help one another. They're always at each other's throat trying to destroy one another. And it has bled all the way down into the common folk. And it has even made its way into the churches. And it's it's so deeply seated in us that there's so many people who are born again, newborn, uh, Holy Ghost-filled 
Christians that cannot speak to anybody who did not vote the way they did. But we all need Jesus. What do you do if you find somebody out and you start to talk to them about the Lord and you find out how they voted? Do you stop talking to them? When that wall goes up, where do you meet at? Where's the common ground? We have got to get past the prejudices that have been instilled in us through the media, through the world, through carnal upbringing, through our flesh. I've said this before, and I'll stand on it, and I won't change. You'll never preach politics across this pulpit. It'll never be preached across this pulpit. I would set this pulpit on fire and burn it to the ground before I will let anybody campaign across this pulpit. And you can waste your breath trying to win votes, or you can do something constructive and win people for the kingdom. Because he ain't trying to see how many red or blue going to make it through the door. He wants to see how many blood-bought people is going to make it through the door. And that's just a fact. Well, Jesus, as a result, she begins to lower her defenses. And she didn't really understand. Jesus begins to tell her, if you knew the gift of God and who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you uh, living water. Or she don't understand what he's talking about. You have nothing to draw with. She's thinking living water is somewhere underground. It's not underground. It's inside of him. But she, she's talking with him, and, and he begins to uh, tell her, whoever drinks this water again, or whoever draws from this water and drinks this water will thirst again. But if you drink this living water, you will never thirst again. Well, that sounds good to her because she responds, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst or come here to draw water anymore. That, that would be great. Uh, Jesus had addressed uh, a common issue, something that everybody would like, got past all the prejudice, helped her to, for a moment to not think about Jew and Samaritan, but just to be here having a conversation, connecting with somebody. Friend, we've got to find places to connect with people. We were all created in his image. And I don't care where they are or how they smell or what they look like. We were all created in his image. I don't care how they voted. We were all created in his image. And Jesus wants us to reach them. He was talking to someone that no other Jews would talk to. He was talking to a woman that nobody else wanted anything to do with. He was talking to a Samaritan. And he found a place where he could open up the door to begin to speak to her about what she really needed. And that was living water. He uh, Then at this moment after she says, give me that water, he shifts the conversation, and now it gets to a place where another wall can come up. He identifies the elephant in the room. Well, go get your husband and come back. Well, I don't have a husband. You said right. You don't have a husband. You have had five. And the one you're with now is not your husband. Now, why did he have to bring that up? Because this is another point where she could have just shut it down. You don't know me. You're going to judge me? You're going to talk about me? But maybe she uh, thought this, that, you know, if he's willing and he knows me completely, knows who I am, what I've done, where I've been, but is still willing to offer me living water. So he let her know, I know who you are, 
what you've done, who you've been with. I know all your business. I know everything about you. And still, I will offer you living water. This is not a reason. I've said this before. The offer to her, uh, her sins did not disqualify her from the offer. They were the reason for the offer. She needed that. And, and she, maybe she thought, well, he would never share this truth with me if he had known what I had really done. And a lot of times we're like that. Jesus won't really help me if he knows what I've really done. Well, guess what? He does know what you've really done. And still he says, whosoever will, let him come and take freely and drink freely of this living water. There was no wall of sin that could separate her, and it can't separate anybody else from the well of life. Now, listen, I know that our, our iniquities separate us from God. I know that. But it doesn't separate you from the offer that will make you whole. And so the woman immediately, she's like, okay, uh, she's going to get it back to another wall, you Jews. The only wall left is how they worship. Well, you Jews say that, uh, you know, uh, that Jerusalem's the only place we can worship. And you just ignore our heritage because we worship in this mountain, but you say that's not good enough. We can only worship in Jerusalem. There was a wall in Jerusalem that people uh, would come to worship at, but she had, didn't have access to that because she was a Samaritan. See, that prejudice had cut them off from even coming. Yeah, there is a place to worship, and it's the right place, but you can't come. There is a place where we worship and meet God, but you can't come. That prejudice against the Samaritans had shut them down. And, and so she, she begins with, you Jews say this, you Jews say this. And it's a valid source. It's, it's a sore point in their life because they know how the Jews look at them. And she's trying to get, get back behind the wall. She's been exposed. She's trying to put the wall back up. But Jesus now has a choice to make, and he shows us right here. Uh, that you don't allow the conversation to become derailed by an argument. It's not about arguing. You, you can either argue or you can shift the focus back and draw them closer in. Jesus showed us that winning the debate and correcting every misconception that a person may have are not our goals. It is not my goal to win the debate. It's not my goal to uh, win you over to my side. Uh, let me tell you, it is my goal to guide people to know God more correctly. It is my God to help people overcome prejudicial walls. Man, let me tell you, it's everywhere. It's in every place. And it's, it, it, it's not just politics. It's other things. You know, there's racial prejudices that we've got to. Uh, it's amazing to me that in 2021 that that still exists. But it does. And it's, and it's nonsense. It's nonsense. Man, let me tell you, it don't matter who you are, where you are, what color your skin is, baptized in Jesus' name for the Holy Ghost, you're my brother or sister. That's who you are. And that prayer just runs so deep, man, people make up some of the silliest things about it, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to get derailed off my message and get into that, but let me tell you, God loves all of us, and he don't care if we all love each other. He wants it to be that way. Jesus, after she brings this little sore point up, he gets the conversation away from the place of worship because that's that's the sore spot, and he addresses the nature of worship. 
He shifted the focus from an external distraction, which was a wall. And he went back to the heart, to her heart. Worship is not about a building or a wall. It's about people who are seeking God in spirit and truth. And that's what he said. He he told her, he said, woman. (laughs) So anytime a man says, hey, woman, just what Jesus said. And you know he knows her name. No, I'm kidding. Don't be disrespectful now. No. He he said, look, he said, I'm telling you, the the time's coming. It ain't going to be about this mountain, and it ain't going to be about Jerusalem. He said, but it's going to be about those that worship God in spirit and truth because the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, she's blown away now. She's blown away now. He showed us, Jesus is now showing us. You know, I, I'm sure that this woman was a little uncomfortable, but I just have to believe that standing in the presence of the Savior, whether she realized who he was yet or not, had to be comforting. I'm sure his tone, he didn't shy away from the, the conversation, but I'm sure his tone and the look in his eyes and the way he treated her made her feel like, I can trust what this man is saying. And she did not get distracted anymore about the walls and the prejudices that separate them. He had drawn her attention to the well of life. And she's felt no condemnation. He he never said anything about, he just told her what she was doing. He never said, I condemn you or I'm against you for it. He knew she was an outcast among outcasts. Nobody, why do you think she was at the well? At 12 noon, the hottest part of the day, she went when nobody would be there. She wanted to go where she wouldn't have to run into nobody. She didn't want to go when the crowd was there drawing water because she didn't want the whispers and all the stares and all the finger pointing and and maybe even worse than that, they may have just run her off. I don't know. But uh, Jesus did not run her off. And he began to tell her, no matter these differences that we have, there is an offer for you, a Samaritan, and me, a Jew, offering it to you well she begins to say well i know that when messiah comes he's going to tell us everything messiah called the christ when he's come he's going to tell us all things and jesus said unto her i that speak unto thee am he you see it's not my job you know there's people out there that know a little bit about they've heard something but it's our job to get past these walls and tell people who he really is. To end the search. Well, when he comes, he's going to tell us, I'm him. Your search is over. It's ended right here. I just told and, and immediately upon that, of course, the disciples show up. She drops the water pot. Man, she takes off. She's headed to town. Not to hide, but to tell everybody, somebody has told me everything that I have ever done. And as a result of what Jesus did, getting this woman to not focus on the walls, but to focus on the the living well, the well of living water. Uh, An entire community comes and hears the words of Jesus. They all come out. Now, some believe because of what the woman said, but then they come out and hear Jesus, and they say, now, not just because of what you said. We've heard him for ourselves. We've heard what this man had to say, and we believe he is the Savior. We believe he is the Christ. We believe in 
who he is and, and said, just you know, stay with us. You know, they wanted to hear more from him. And, and so uh, Jesus showed us now in this world today, he, he's given a little prelude to what's coming and what's going to happen. He, he, he's trying to get people uh, right with him and, and, and full of living water. He, he wants people to know that there are walls in this world, but he's the well without walls. In other words, there is access unto him. In John chapter 7, in verses 37 through 39, it said, In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood, cried, saying, If any Jew thirst, if any Republican thirst, if any white man thirst, Hello. He said, if any man, any man thirst, anybody, any man, man created in my image, if any of my creation needs to be restored, in other words, let him come unto me and drink. Anybody, there are no walls to this well. The access is open. The door is open. I am the door. He said, he that cometh in by me. I'm friend, let me tell you, we're all going in through that door. He said, he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And so maybe they didn't really understand everything yet, but he was once again just foreshadowing. This is for anybody. That's why Peter stood up and said, for the promises unto you and to your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God should call. He was letting them know they didn't matter who they were. Uh, God's bringing that call uh, for people to come to this well, come to this well of living water. So we need to make sure that we are promoting the well when, uh, and not the walls. Yeah, we need to promote the well and not the walls. We need to get, quit looking at things. They quit looking at gender and race and politics and just start looking at the souls of men, looking at the image of God, the creation of God. Look at people. People are precious in his sight. The Bible says he that winneth souls is wise. Jesus wants people to win souls. He wants people changed. He wants a, why tell them to preach repentance and remission of sins uh, in his name if there was, uh, he didn't care. Uh, you know, maybe somebody will stumble on it by chance. Maybe you might get it. Maybe you won't. Uh, he wanted everybody to have it. It's not the Lord's will that any perish, but that all would come to repentance. So uh, I want to make sure today that I am doing my part to help those any. Anybody come in. Anybody has access. Anybody can have the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, i said this for years. You might have something that somebody doesn't have, but you don't have nothing that they can't have. Because the offer is to every single one of us, no matter who we are. Now, the funny part here is the disciples coming back in the middle of all this. No, they went to find food because they were hungry, and so they're trying to find kosher food in Samaria. So that might have took a while. I don't know. But when they get back, they're trying to encourage him to eat. They see him talking with the woman. Nobody brings that up. I'm not saying anything. Whatever he's doing, let him, let him alone. I'm not going to challenge him on it. Uh, but then they say, we, we need you to eat. And he said, I have been, I've been eating. I have meat that you don't know anything about. My meat is to do the will of the Father that sent me. And, and then there in Samaria, 
where these Samaritans are in this place that the Jews didn't even want to go through. His disciples didn't want to go. They just followed him, but that didn't mean they always liked where he walked. To be honest, you don't always like where Jesus leads you. But he said, now, in this place right here, you 12, I want you to look around. I want you to see something right here. Lift up your eyes. This is where he gave that, 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 that little verse we quote all the time. Lift up your eyes and look and see the fields are ripe and ready for harvest. See, wait a minute, this is Samaria. This is Samaria. I'm sure they, they didn't click. But he's letting them know that there's a harvest right here in the midst of people you don't even like. That you don't even deal with. Some of you 12 may have never even spoke to a Samaritan in your lifetime. But I'm telling you right here is where uh, there is a great, wonderful harvest. If you can get past all the cultural biases and prejudice. If you can just get your mind. And we need to focus on the well. The well if we're not going to. If we're going to get people to focus on the well. You can't uh, point somebody's attention to something you ain't looking at. And so we've got to minister from the well, just like Jesus did. And, and so now the significant point of this, we talked about Peter's uh, work with the Gentiles, how that uh, he was at Cornelius' house and, and did this. But before he got there, after Stephen had been killed uh, for preaching the gospel, the disciples were scattered out from Jerusalem. They preached everywhere. Philip was in Samaria, and was having a great revival. People were being healed, miracles and signs and wonders. There were great things happening in Samaria. And uh, so he calls for Peter and John, said, need you to get down here because there's a great revival going on. Now, Peter had been in Samaria before. He'd been there when Jesus was there. And they come down and lay their hands on these Samaritans, and they begin to receive the Holy Ghost just like they did. They were being filled with the Holy Ghost. They had been baptized. They were born again. There was a great revival happening in Samaria. And is it just possible that this thing was already pre-lit because of what Jesus did when he went by and, and broke down those walls of prejudice? When Jesus, because everybody came out and said Samaria was full of believers before the day of Pentecost because they heard him speak for themselves. And so there was already a fire lit in Samaria. And, and Philip goes and, and fans that flame, and people are beginning to be born again. And, and they, hey, this man's preaching about Jesus. That's that guy that talked to so and so on the well. And there you know, it goes. And next thing you know, everybody's getting baptized. Everybody's getting the Holy Ghost. Great revival breaking out in Samaria. That happened before Cornelius' house. They were able to get past, but it's, uh, somehow they still can't get past Gentiles. Hey, don't you remember the, the Samaritans that we didn't used to like? They have revival. Why not the Gentiles? They, they tried to rake Peter over the coals for going to Cornelius' house. It was, Peter broke down some walls by going there. He, it wasn't lawful at that time for a Jewish person to go in and keep company with uh, anybody that was a Gentile. But he went in anyway, and he says, so why am I here? And so Cornelius began to rehearse the thing. Hey, this angel, I was fasting, praying. Angel slips in the room, send for Peter. Here you are, preach to us. He preached to him while he was preaching. The Holy Ghost fell on every one of them. Peter was able to remember 
what Jesus said. Whatever I've cleansed, don't call common. And so he started out his message with, well, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That the Lord, uh, let me find and just read it. He said, God's not a respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And he began to preach. And while he was preaching, as I said, the Holy Ghost fell. They began to speak with tongues. Those six Jews that came with Peter, all with their mouth on the floor. Hey, that happened to us at the day of Pentecost. And wow, God has blessed them. And so when they all saw this, he said, well, who can forbid water that these should not be baptized? And they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And now the door uh, to revival to the Gentiles has been opened. But if Peter had just been stubborn and refused, where does that revival start? And that doesn't mean that uh, Peter still struggled with this prejudice, even though he, we find him in Acts 15 defending what had happened that day. Paul caught him shorthanded one day because when he was hanging out with all these Gentiles, but when these Jews showed up, Peter slipped off to the side. I don't want nobody to see me fellowshipping with these Gentiles. And Paul said, I would stood him to face for this. Because a lot of people looked up to Peter and they were all following in his example. And that's not the example that the Lord wanted us to have. So Paul withstood him. Paul was a great defender against prejudice toward the Gentiles. But still Peter, you know, he, he, he's flesh and blood. He's a man. Things happen. I'm sure he, after he got called out like that, I'm sure he prayed and made it right. So he could keep on doing the work of the Lord. But it happened. But still because he would let the Spirit lead him, it opened the door for the Gentile revival. Friend, let me tell you, we've got a chance today greater than any chance that that even the first church had, I believe, for revival, for souls to be saved, for souls to be changed. God can do it. And I believe he's going to do it. But you and I have got to get past any of those cultural things, those prejudices that we have, those things that, that, that put up the walls and block the access to the well. I'm telling you, uh, it's, as we said at the beginning, it can be deep-seated. It can be in there because it's passed down through your family. You know why a lot, you know why a lot of people vote the way they vote? They don't care a thing about politics. That's why my family's always, they've always voted that way. That's why we vote that way. So they have this, it's, it's ingrained in them. And they listen to people talk against this person or that person or this culture or that culture, and, and it begins to get rooted down in them. And now they just they don't even realize it. They just think that's a normal way of living, but it's not. And uh, they, well, I'm not like that, but you are. You just don't realize it. You just don't realize it. We've got to pull those walls down so people can have access to the well. We can't. Uh, well, I ain't talking to them because they. Uh, Friend, don't have that attitude. The Bible says to owe no man anything but to love one another. We're supposed to love people. Well, I do love them, but but I ain't talking to them. Come on, friend. Oh, say it out loud so you hear how stupid it sounds. Just, just going to say it out loud so you realize, did that, did that actually fly out of my lips? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. When you provide something that somebody wants, when you have something that somebody's looking for, you can find a way 
to get them there. You can, you can do it without walls. You can do it without walls. How do you can come to the music this morning? I'm finishing a little early this morning. Stand with me this morning. I don't know, maybe some of you have heard of this. But have you ever heard of the Anna Creek Station? Anybody know what that is? It's a ranch in Australia. This ranch is 1,977,000 acres. That's just a little bit larger than Israel. It's got an enormous amount of livestock. And so with that kind of land mass, it is ridiculous to try to build fences to keep the livestock contained. It's just too much land. So instead of building fences, the, rancher, the ranchers, they dug a well and created a precious supply of water in the open, rugged wilderness of the outback. You know what that did? It kept the, the livestock close. The livestock do not wander too far from the well because they know if they do, they'll die. So I wonder what would happen if we focused on the life-giving well more than our fences. Our, our petty, prejudicial fences. What if we just took the lid off the well? What if we just, you know, was it, was it Jacob went to the well and he took the, he got there and everybody's like sitting around. He's like, I come eat water or anything. Well, it ain't time yet. And he went ahead and rolled the stone off the well so he could water the sheep and, uh, because here come the, his future bride down the road. But, you know, what if we just quit going along with tradition, things like that, and just took the lid off the well? You know who I read about stopping up wells in the Scripture? The enemy. The enemy of God's people will begin to stop up the wells. We're not here to stop up wells. We're not here to build walls around them and shut people out. We're not here to build fences uh, to keep people away. But we are swinging the door wide, tearing the walls down, just just like Jericho. Let them fall down flat so people can come on in. And if we could just do that and focus on that life-giving water, let people know there's something that you need. And it doesn't matter to me if they bring up, well, you know, hey, I don't care how you voted. I promise you, I don't care. None of my business. In fact, the point is, it isn't my business. I don't care. So, but you know what I do care about? I care about you. I care about you. And I don't even know what you've done. I don't pretend to know your heart. But I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And if you have not been born again, you can be. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you can if you've never been baptized in his name, you can. And hey, if you're not ready for heaven, you can be. You can just talk to him about things that everybody wants to know about. Find a place to meet on that common ground. We would later see the Spirit of the Lord lead the apostles beyond their biases to reach the Samaritans, the Gentiles, and just keep going. There are no walls to exclude anyone from being a part of God's kingdom. If God don't keep them out, I can't keep them out. If the Lord wants them all, I should want them all. And when we promote the well, then the Spirit of Christ will help us overcome walls of prejudice that divide us today. Everybody's 
it's been a big thing or division there's no unity division there's no unity well it's because of these things that men made Jesus didn't set these walls up Jesus didn't divide us he said mark them that cause division he didn't want he didn't want uh, people causing division he wants people to unify and, and so don't ever start thinking only this group that group that's my group that's, my, that's where you start getting clickish. It's not about that. I, I only hang out with people that, that look like me, act like me. Okay. Well, I know you have to be careful of your associations. We talked about that last week. But you can associate and not participate. But if you isolate, you ain't going to ever reach nobody. And so Jesus... He sat down at the table with them and ate and spoke with them. Didn't do a single thing they did. Didn't participate in anything they participated in. He wasn't about uh, condoning who they were. He just wanted them to know there's somebody here that loves you and wants a better way for you. That needs to be our hope today. Let's lift our hands together and ask the Lord to help us with this today. Precious Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving all of us for loving all men. Lord, there's people we don't even know that you're reaching for, ready to save. And God, let us be ready to be that vessel that'll speak a word at any moment, at any time, to go and not doubt. You may say, go here, and we're not sure about it, but Lord, we shouldn't doubt if it's you. So help us, Lord, to tear down the walls of prejudice. Not to build fences, Lord, but to open up access to this well of living water. God, we need the, the harvest is ripe and ready. Lord, we need to be ready to labor. So God, I'm asking you to touch our hearts. Give us a new way of thinking, a new viewpoint today. Help us, Lord. If we're struggling with these things today, help us to get past them, Lord. Help us to overcome that we might work for the kingdom. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Just lift your hands for a moment and let's love the Lord. Aren't you thankful to be in His presence this morning? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. to pray before the next service. Get ready for God to do some great things. God bless you in Jesus' name.